Hey guys, welcome back to Napalm Nanny in the Shack. And for this episode of Napalm and Friends, I have my dear friend Jesse, who is one of my favorite smart-ass metalhead friends. And he's written and shared this wonderful piece about what it's like finding his place in an ableist world, and quite possibly started a little riot at a free concert. And if that's not enough for you, he curated this week's playlist. Enjoy! Okay, get the king, get me out of here, man. Hurry up, man. Hey, man, scratch my balls, man. Hey. Hey, man. Anybody scratch my balls. Sometimes I try to do things, and it just doesn't work out the way I want it to. And I get real frustrated. And like, I try hard to do it. And I like take my time, but it just doesn't work out the way I want it to. It's like I concentrate on real hard, but it just doesn't work out. And everything I do and everything I try, it never turns out. It's like I need time to figure these things out. There's always someone there going, hey Mike, you know, we've been noticing you've been having a lot of problems lately, you know? Maybe get away. And like, maybe you should talk about it, you'll feel a lot better. And I go, no, it's okay, you know? I'll figure it out. Just leave me alone, I'll figure it out, you know? I'm just working on myself. They go, well, you How do you know what my best interest is? How can you say what 
you kind of break down how you found metal music or the alternative scene and what it meant for you and your experience at shows and live music. But starting from the beginning, you said that you really found your music that gave you that spark in middle school. So how did that come about? Uh, at the time, I was, uh, I guess, the new kid in middle school. You know, everybody, I just remember I went to uh, El Serena. I just always got this vibe that everybody knew each other and, and every class I went throughout the periods or whatever, because you know how back then it was divided into periods. Mm-hmm. And uh, I didn't know anybody shit. And it, uh, it wasn't until I started making friends when they started introducing me to what was happening at the time. You know, I think uh, Blink-182 was big at that time, System of Down, bands like that. I mean, that was basically my introduction once I heard their songs and shit, you know, it, it just kind of, I was, it just blew me away. It was just like, wow, you know, I, I gotta, I, I gotta look into more songs by these bands. I gotta, I don't know, it, it just kind of started something within me. Where did you find the music? Like, because, I mean, for me, like having a computer at home, I didn't have a computer at home until I was like way older. Just borrowing CDs, basically, because, I mean, that was a, that was uh, basically the only, uh, I guess, medium. Yeah. CDs. Later on, I started downloading them illegally, I guess, <laughs> through shared websites. Yeah, no, I feel that. Giving your computer all these viruses just for music. Yeah, LimeWire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, and then you also mentioned, which I thought was interesting, is you would look at the kids in school and you would see their shirts and kind of decipher which band shirts caught your attention and how you would start digging into it. Oh yeah, it was all about fucking, it was all about the album cover that just attracted you to that band or whatever, you know, it, it was, at least for me, you know, I, I see something in, in album covers that just gets my attention, just the art itself. And if the if the music is as good as that album cover, then, you know, it's, it's win-win. You know, it's so interesting. It's like, I don't think people give enough credit to album covers because that shit's hard to put together. It also kind of has to fall under the whole like style, attitude, aesthetic. And you said with metal music, when it came down to leather jackets, denim, there was something about it that you were just like, yeah. Like I, I've seen you in your in your suicidal tendency, like hat, you know, your jackets. And it's like, yeah, that's Jesse. Like it suits you. Yeah, it's just the whole, that fucking, Fuck you to society, basically. <laughs> I don't know. It, it, it's just the whole being the underdog, you know? It's always about that that look, that attitude, that, I don't know, it, it's hard to describe. I mean, for me personally, like when you said it, that whole fuck you attitude, I, for me, that hit home, you know, just right off the bat, because that's what attracted me to, like, punk music in middle school. I grew up in a very conservative Catholic household where I was always told what to do. Like it was, I was always having orders barked at me. So when punk music came along and I was like, oh, fuck you. Like, I'm going to do whatever you, whatever I want. It was like, oh, I get that. Like, I get that feeling. Like all this rage that I have inside of me, the music matched it. Yeah, especially when you're a kid, you know, you're still finding yourself in the world. You're, You're kind of still confused about what the world is. And once you start having that relationship with music it's it's like uh they understand you you know yeah they 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 express your feelings for you basically
then it's interesting because he also said, besides having this artist understand what you're feeling and going through, there's this sense of community and like feeling confident and vulnerable at the same time that you relate so heavily to a song or a band or a genre. Yeah, yeah, it's just, uh, I mean, music in general, it's just uh, your emotions. I mean, yeah, like I said, it could be, it could make you feel confident as much as it can make you feel vulnerable depending on what song you're listening to, depending on your mood. And then you also said in middle school, it's like extremely formative years where we're trying to find our place in this world. And you specifically said, you know, find your place in an ableist world. That's another layer that I don't think a lot of people take into consideration. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, not everybody's disabled. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, it, it, it was just growing up, you know, uh, not a lot of schools were accessible when I was going to school or when I was uh, trying to figure out what I, where I was going to go to middle school because I, I wasn't even from the El Sereno area when I started there. Um, I, was, I, I was always living like in downtown-ish and always had to go to schools far away just because that was the only accessible school at the time. There wasn't many schools that had built-in ramps or elevators or whatever. It was always just hard growing up feeling like, uh, I guess, rejected from society. Once uh, the music thing happened, that's when uh, I I just felt understood. And then, I mean, specifically talking about the community, it's, I think when it comes to like metal, punk, all these alternative music scenes, it's all about the weirdos, the freaks, all the misfits that kind of like gather and that in itself is extremely comforting, or at least I found comfort in that. Yeah, yeah, it's camaraderie. And that's what I loved about it too. Uh, you, you always were welcome with open arms. So then tying back to what you said about finding your place in this ableist world and having to travel to go to an accessible school, how was it going to venues to go see your favorite bands? Uh, yeah, it just depended on the venue, whether it, whether or not it was accessible or, or how accessible it was. Uh, sometimes it would kind of suck and that would kind of, I guess in a way, fuck up the whole experience for me because I didn't feel like I was getting the full experience, which was to be in that pit, I guess. So which venues were your favorite? Well, for sure, the, the I'm always a fan of the outdoor ones because I feel like those ones are just fucking one big area with where people stand up. Just having an open space? Yeah, or like small gigs with small venues that it's just all floor. And then, I mean, because you said that it fucks up your experience if it's not as accessible because you want to jump in the pit. Yeah, because uh, <laughs> so when I when I order my tickets or whatever and it's uh, not as accessible or whatever, I have to choose my seat basically because there's always like a little section of accessible seating. Mm-hmm. And sometimes sometimes they're, the, the seats are shit, dude. Yeah, that fucking blows.
Speaking of the pit, you've had your fair share of jumping in. Yeah. You shared two experiences in the piece that you wrote, and one in 2013 is... Yeah, that's probably the the most memorable, if anything. So give me a whole rundown. Who was playing? I mean, although for me personally, based on our group of friends that went, it was a shit show. <laughs> it was fun, apparently. Yeah, it was that lineup was still dude it was like uh, Iron Maiden Megadeth it was it was just big bands like metal bands and uh, it was like at the be- somewhat at the beginning of the whole the whole show or whatever uh, this random guy just walks up to me dude and he's all like you want to get in the pit I'll push you and I didn't even know the guy and I just look at him like kind of confused like if he's talking to me I kind of look back to see if he was talking to somebody else and I was like yeah sure <laughs> He's like, all right. He got all excited and he just started pushing me in that pit and shit, you know. That was fun. And then, um, so we did that for a few songs. And then uh, once he finished or whatever, he, he just, uh, you know, he just said goodbye or whatever. He's like, oh, that was fun, man. Did you have fun? And I was like, yeah, hell yeah. Uh, so he took off. And then later on, um, our friend Anthony shows up. You know Anthony, right? Corona. Oh, yeah. He shows up and he looked. I think he was drunk, dude. Because <laughs> he, he he didn't look his normal self. I think he was drunk. I'm pretty sure he was drunk. He just walks up to me and, and uh, 
I can't remember if it was me or him that said that uh, to push me in the pit or whatever, but next thing I know, we're in the pit again. And this time the crowd was a little crazier. There was way, there was way more people in that pit compared to a few songs before that. And that time, uh, <laughs> I, at that time I was falling over a fuck ton of times. Dude. My leg got caught between like, because uh, my legs were kind of like sticking out. And I was telling Anthony, hold up, hold up, stop, my leg got caught. But I guess it, the I guess everything was too loud. He couldn't hear me. So he kind of kept pushing me. And that was kind of like, <laughs> like uh, pulling my leg back. Like I felt like it was about, I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> my leg's about to fucking snap. <laughs> and it just swung back, dude. <laughs> my leg just swung back. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's like, uh, I don't know. I, I personally like that consensual violence in the pit and all the near death or broken bones that, that come I with it. I fucking love it. Just give me, yeah, just that gentle violence is what I live for. But what I love about it though is that uh, people help you get back up. You know, it's it, they don't fucking take advantage of when you're on the floor and shit just to get even more violent or whatever. You know, they, they help you back up. So then you said in 2017, you were looking for this other show that was hosted by Suicidal Tendencies. I never talked about it uh, <laughs> other than my friends that were there for that show. I told them, oh, I think it was kind of my fault that the cops showed up and they closed down the show. Sorry. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was this, this uh, free show that they were hosting in downtown. It was, it was outdoors. It was a uh, it was a crazy look. It was a weird location. It was, it was in the middle of like kind of nowhere in downtown. It's it's hard to describe. It, it was a, uh, but I was having trouble finding the place. It got to the point where I was just circling the area or whatever, trying to find the entrance. And uh, the people that were just uh, walking by, I I just started asking them, you know, where, where's the show at? Where's the entrance? And you know, they just pointed me in the direction of the entrance. And uh, once I got there. The security guard had just closed the gate. So I was like, fuck, my friend's already in there and I'm fucking outside, you know? I can't even, I'm gonna miss it. They're gonna get mad that I didn't show up. So I, I go up to the entrance and uh, I start talking to the security guard. And I was like, can you let me in, man, please, please? <laughs> He's like, I'm sorry, bro, but I, I can't let you in. The gate's closed already. I was like, come on, man, come on. I really wanna go to the show. And then um, there was about easily 50 people behind me and then and then they heard me talking to the, the security guard. Uh, a few of them heard me. And that's when they're like, come on, let him in, man. What are you doing? Like, why aren't you letting him in? That's fucked up, dude. You're going to let him out here? <laughs> and somehow he convinced the security guard to let me in. He's all like, all right, fine, but just you, right? I'm like, yes, I didn't bring any. My friends are already there, man. Come on. And he's all like, all right, but just you. So he opens it. He opens the gate, but he doesn't open it all the way. He just opens, he just opens it enough so that my chair could fit and he could close it back up. So I'm like thanking him so much as I, as I, as he's opening it. I'm like, thank you so much, man. You don't know what this means to me. Thank you so much. I go in, I'm grabbing my phone to start texting my friends to, to, to let them know that I'm there to meet them up or whatever. But as I'm grabbing my phone, I just hear like the security guard screaming, hey, what the fuck are you doing? Let go. And I turn around, dude. And like literally the whole fucking 50 people or whatever, I see, I just see hands, dude, on every bar of that gate, just forcing that door open while there's this poor security guard struggling against 50 people, dude, and he's easily overpowered. The gate just fucking explodes open 
and just this flood of people just start rushing in and i'm just i, I just put my phone away at that point and i was like you know what i'll, I'll just find them later I, I gotta go to the pit before fo- i either get trampled or the security guard kicks me out so i just fucking put my chair in servo go to the pit because it's all floor thankfully and yeah dude i just see 50 people behind me just fucking swarming the whole area dude the way i get to the front is by nudging people with my chair it's like a little warning sign like let me through before i kind of run over your feet and get through either way somehow they let me through they were nice enough by the i'd say i think it was by the fourth song that's when i started healing hearing helicopters and uh, the singer uh, the singer of the band he started telling the crowd that the police are were starting to shut down the show next thing i know the guy's like we're just gonna do one more song and and that's it
緒に肌振って楽しもうかい
why does it get under people's skin, do you think, this music? Like, what is it about it that just... Because it's not trying to be nice. It's trying to be badass, you know, which is what all good rock and roll always was. You know, Jesus Christ, look at little Richard, man. A black gay guy from Macon, Georgia. I do think it was like growing up gay in that environment in the 50s. <laughs> Jesus Christ, they'd tire and feather him just for looking at him. You know, and like that's... He had to do it. He felt it, and he had to do it. And he's, he's still the gr- greatest rock and roll vocal for me, you know. So rock and roll is heavy metal. Is rock and roll. You know?